It's the TEH podcast, episode number 174. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. So it's the topic we have to talk about, even yes. though we may not really want to talk about it. <laughs> well, but it's also an interesting topic, at, at it least. It's frustrating and interesting. Of course, we're talking about Twitter, which is like the main tech topic of the week and probably will be for the surrounding Ooh, wow. few weeks. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's for, first of all, the magnitude of what has happened is it's really interesting and it's being skipped over by a lot of people. You know, Twitter is a big part of the tech industry. It's yes. a big part of journalism. It's a big part of worldwide communications. Mm -hmm. And it just went from being a publicly traded company with a board of directors answerable to shareholders to a company owned by one guy, period. Well, well okay. yes and no. I guess right? I mean, one of the stakeholders, things that the people are right? making a bit of a deal about is that Yes, he's the one, he's the figurehead and he may be the major investor, the majority investor. But the fact is he got funding from others, including That's true. Saudi Arabia, which is one of the things that oh, has yeah. people mm -hmm. concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and some other Americans to wealthy people. I, I mean, the thing is, though, I think with the majority stakeholder thing, I, you know, it basically is a buck stops here kind of situation mm -hmm. with this one guy. But you know, now, that could be good or bad. But in this case, um, there are a lot of problems that Twitter has. Some of those problems are certain people. And he happens to be one of those. He people. was one of the problems. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, you know, he 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 has many times posted things, including in the last 24 hours, posted uh, fake news. Yes. On Twitter himself. So the idea of like, what do we do about uh, people posting lies? Uh, on Twitter, it comes down to one guy getting to say what they do, but that one guy has actually posted lies on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah it's it's I'm, interesting. It's been interesting to watch, as somebody put it. it it's kind of like a, a a train wreck. You know, you can't not watch. I'm sure, <laughs> as you're driving by on some other service, you can't not watch what's going the the dumpster fire that seems to be happening over on the side of the road called Twitter. Um. What's weird is that in in so many other scenarios, this would be a perfectly valid thing to do to have a um, somebody, uh, a wealthy person, take over a company because he feels strongly about what that company, what that product should or shouldn't be. The pr the biggest problem here is simply that um, Elon, he's like the bull in the china shop, right? Mm -hmm. He is he is. Um, I've called him before an agent of chaos, and mm, yeah. That's actually really apt right now, especially over the past few days where he's been doing things and undoing things and making statements and making what we hope are jokes. Um, and I mean, he, he's like Best a case scenario. They're jokes. Yes. You know, he's like kind of like a, um, a teenager that hasn't really matured yet um, in terms of his, the way he seems to approach the world and specifically at the way he seems to approach it through Twitter. What's interesting for me is I actually kind of agree with his underlying premise that Twitter is kind of sort of um, the country's town square, maybe even the planet's town square, because mm. everybody le legitimately gets to have a voice. Um, it's where a lot of people are, as you put it out, it's, it's very heavily used by um, uh, news and uh, journalism organizations to basically inform folks. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, it's also being used by less than reputable individuals uh, to misinform folks. And right. that's what's so really, really frustrating about it. Because like when Musk posted that, uh, what turned out to be absolutely fake news, um, you know, it, it, here's the problem. I have a hard time calling it a lie. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that the original statement, wherever it originated, isn't a lie. It's, to me, a lie is someone not believing it and posting it anyway. Oh, right? I see what they, you're saying. They yeah. are lying. However, if they believe it, if they believe it to be true, no matter how off the wall it is, but if they actually believe it to be true, then that individual isn't lying. They are, are propagating a lie, but they themselves aren't lying. 
either direction here concerns me, right? Mm. Because either um, he believed it and he posted it and he shouldn't, <laughs> he should be smarter yeah. than that. And clearly he's not, or he lied mm. for fun, for effect to, to kind of sort of poke the bear is one of the ways that I might look at it uh, to get a rise out of people. And he was totally successful at that, but that's not what you want to do when you're running this company. No, and I can't, you know, and I think in this case and in a lot of cases where you take a lot of people in important positions and they post something like this on whether Twitter or Facebook or wherever, a lot of times it's the repost, they're posting a link to a news item. Right. And that news item is at a non-reputable source. Sometimes laughably so. Like you look at the name, you know, somebody like you and me, and I, I think our listeners too, you look at the name and you're like, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. First, if I saw that news item at a, a domain name that looked like that, right? <laughs> the first thing I would do, okay, if for some reason I had reason to not just dismiss it outright, but the first thing I would do if I thought, oh, hey, you know, maybe this is, I would find a reputable news source reporting right. it and I would right. link to that instead. So th- the fact that I see it so often, so often where somebody posts something sometimes sometimes i actually because i'm interested in media you know i have this journalism degree and all that sure. sometimes i get in the mood to actually look at like fact checking websites and find out what people are saying and what's going on and some and sometimes i'll see something posted and i'll be like oh i'd like to know the story behind that why does somebody think that's true where did that originate from mm-hmm. who is like refuting it you know that kind of thing as a media as i guess a media observer you know type I, i'm curious like a sporting event you know okay where did this come from uh, let me look and i'll look and i'll see like this stuff it's like who that website i mean i mean come on it just i just don't get it i, I mean are are uh, there's just two types of people people that will see an article and post it without checking where it's from and people that always check or the people actually looking at these news sources and saying oh that sounds credible like or that i've never heard of that but it's probably a real source. I mean, I don't know. Uh, so much of the problem could be eliminated if people always just check the source and maybe yeah, went and yeah. said, hey, the Internet's big. If this is true, I'll bet you, you know, n- let me name 10 major news sources. One of those 10 has jumped on this. And if, if none of the 10 have, then, hey, <laughs> maybe it's not real. Right. And ultimately, though, I mean, <laughs> You know, if everybody checked, if everybody checked, right? Well, yeah. that ain't never going to happen. That's just or just you know, the people that repost check. You know, I mean, that you know? that ain't never going to happen. Um, there, the problem is there's too much emotion behind what people are seeing and what people want to um, express. Yeah, and that you know the the the. So what they do is they see something, either that they just innately believe to be true, so it confirms their um, their their personal bias. Or it's something they want to be true, right? Yes. And by wanting it to be true, that's enough for them. I want this to be true. Therefore, I'm going to believe it to be true. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to retweet it all over the place. Uh, I think that's a lot of what happens here. And unfortunately, when you can't set aside your personal bias, which I think is actually true for the majority of people um, at, a, at a very deep level, um, when you can't set aside your personal bias, uh, critical thinking, <laughs> kind of goes out the door, right? It, it, those kind of questions that you really should be asking uh, don't get asked because like I said, well, yeah, of course this is true. I believe it to be true. Yeah. I I, I mean, yeah, there, there's going to have to be, I guess there, there are several different types of tweets <laughs> that, you know, have to be looked at in different ways because I, I think what like Musk has said and what other people have said too is, you know, you can't, squelch people's opinions right Mm -hmm. but when people aren't posting opinions they're posting something as a fact Mm -hmm. that's different and there's also the thing when you're posting as something that you believe is true as opposed to well here's a link to somebody else saying this like a news article i think it's a little different too if i if i were to go and say like i believe this to be true and that's my tweet 
that's I think different than me post posting a link to a fake news article somewhere right. that says that. Right. You yeah, know, the, 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 something you just said I thought was kind of interesting too is you know you can't suppress people's opinions. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that, but you don't have to give them a bullhorn, right? I mean, right. you know, there are there are sites, there are individuals who are um, um, just notorious for posting, I'll just say crap, to to encompass not just false falsehoods, lies, that kind of stuff, but even intentionally incendiary kinds of things. There are individuals like that. We know that they are identifiable. Um, you don't have to give them a bullhorn. You don't have to, they, they, preventing them from posting on your platform, whether it's Ask Leo or MacMost or Twitter is not a violation of free speech rights. They have all the right they need, they, they have to go out and post it wherever else they're allowed to or create their own platform, right, create their, their own, own blog, that's, their own that's, whatever. That's more um, true for Twitter now being a privately held company Yes. Than it even was before. Not that it was a government run institution before it wasn't. It was a publicly owned company, but right. you can make arguments that there it's even a further, it's even a further step away from any kind of government, you know, right regulation or control now that it's private. Um, but you know, there's there's more than just opinions and facts. There's also expressions, for instance, like hate speech, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and and calling for uh calling for violence or calling for law breaking is also which is a it was uh, that's a whole separate thing because there's calling for uh, well first there's hate speech and you know does do you what do you do in that situation <laughs> like well, like well, does to, twitter to, have rules against it it doesn't have to there's there, twitter can correct. say hey, exactly it, it, it doesn't it, have to and i think that's but, what a lot of people miss there there do not have to be rules against hate speech yeah but there are theoretically right. where it yeah. falls down is where those rules then are not enforced yeah. or they are not enforced equally mm -hmm. yeah so so that's got to have to be figured out separate from the whole you know uh fake news problem and then of course there's the you know there's one thing you know calling for violence but mm -hmm. also calling for lawbreaking. Now, calling for lawbreaking is really interesting because you can go and say, hey, how about this? We have a rule that says if you call for any law to be broken, then that's that we ban that, right? You'll get right. banned. Right. But you should be allowed to dissent when you disagree with the law. Right. Absolutely. And right now more than ever. But but in the United States, particularly probably all times. Right. right. So the question is, like when you go and you say, oh, you shouldn't be allowed for somebody to somebody to be killed because murder is illegal. And there you go. You're calling for breaking the law. That should be banned. But what if you uh, are, you know, there's a law in your state having to do with, well, anything. And you say that's not that law isn't right. Right. You know, we and you should be able to call for civil disobedience. Right. Right. So where do you draw the line between mm -hmm. civil disobedience that's acceptable and simply just anarchy or trying to break the law or or should you? I I, I don't know. It's I, I think a lot of people have a concern that Elon will not draw the line in an appropriate place. If he draws a line at all, right? We don't trust him to yeah. have um, a truly um, uh, Solomon-like uh, awareness of justice when it comes to these kinds of topics. He's talked about putting in a um, uh, a panel, I guess, yeah, uh, of some council sort or something, yeah. Uh, which, okay, yep, that kind of sort of sounds good, um, except that Facebook did the same thing, and it actually has been completely ineffective. Um, how effective will they be? And more to the point, how effective will they, will he let them be? Yeah. And, and, and will they have a bias too? Right, right. Yeah. Where will the people that he selects for this or the people that end yes. up on this council, what, what are they going to look <sighs> like? What are, yep. Oh. Um, I think that the only thing that's, that makes this the biggest issue, you know, the, the issue that it is, is that it's an entrenched service. 
Um, it is being used widely. If he were starting up a new service or if he had purchased some one of the other services that didn't have nearly mm -hmm. um, the user base that Twitter does, uh, all of this would be a non-issue. We'd all be you know, curious and maybe chuckling, but we wouldn't be having these deep discussions about how he's potentially infecting um, you know, the world, democracy, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. the, I mean, I, I still think solutions got to be, there's got to be a, a good competitor or two that arise. Um, I found one. Yeah. And the, yeah, the problem I know. Is, I know the, we're the, both searching. Yeah. We're both searching. Um, the, the problem is it's not even about the quality of the competitor. It's not even about um, the, the features, the functionality, the promises of objectivity, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's where do people show up? Right. Yeah. Well, what, or, I mean, that's ultimately what, what has driven Twitter. It's what's driven Facebook. It's what made, has made leaving Facebook so very difficult. It's what makes leaving Twitter painful um, because, quote unquote, all my friends are there, right? Whether like on Facebook, it truly is friends that, for example, keeps me there. Um, on Twitter, it's like news sources and, and yep. you know, what I would consider to be reputable news sources and some other sources of information that I think are very important for me to follow that they haven't decided where to go yet if they're going anywhere. Yeah, um, it, it's a real problem. They, wherever they go, I might follow. Um, there are some services that I won't follow them to if they happen to go off that cliff. But, you know, the, the, the mastodon.socials, the counter.social, the, the Instagram and so forth, these kinds of services, yeah, I've got accounts there and I'm watching to see which one, if any of them, actually kind of sort of takes off. Or, you know, I've still got my Twitter account. Am I staying at Twitter? Yeah. Somebody posted a really good article and I'll have to um, uh, research the link. I'm not sure it's public making a very strong argument that um, those of us who feel threatened by the potential shift in activity on Twitter and are concerned to the point of considering leaving shouldn't. And in fact, um, it's, I wouldn't call it a duty, but it will be important if Twitter is to survive as a, a true true um, town square, that all opinions, all sides be represented. And that means that, you know, the people who are considering leaving representing a specific side need to represent that side in face of the, the, the things that are changing on the platform. That's a good point. And, uh, and yeah, and also I wanted to add that I think the reason we may not see a competitor is, I mean, Twitter wasn't making any money you right. know so <laughs> right. i mean it's not like you know it's not like well why doesn't jeff bezos go he's got you know and just start up you know a couple billion dollars get a couple smart people here just build twitter but it's a different name and it's a competitor why doesn't apple do it why doesn't microsoft do it why don't yep. you know other people do it well yep. it's because they look at it and they probably get their accountants on it and their accountants say well that's a good way to lose a hundred million dollars a year right um because <laughs> anyway we run the numbers so they're like well i, I like to do this but I don't want to do it so bad that I'm going to lose $100 million a year running a competitor to Twitter. Um, so maybe it's the kind of thing where, yeah, it's just a couple of points on the on the money side of things. One, um, counter.social, yeah. uh, which is one that, that I think you and I are both on right now. Yeah, um, they're they're currently funded by paying subscribers. There's sure. No yeah. ads, no nothing. Um, yeah. And enough paying subscribers basically put the bill. Um, and honestly, it's, that part of it, at least the money side of the thing seems to be working. Now, if he has to scale significantly, I have no idea if that, if that, if that will scale with him. Yeah. But I think it's an interesting model and an interesting approach where rather than having the users be the product, go ahead and have the users be the customers, have them being the paying customers. Well, um, that, the other thing that's yeah. interesting is, is, is um, uh, Elon's current uh, uh, vacillations on uh, verification and Twitter Yes, that's, I wanted to talk about that. I brought <laughs> it up. Um, he, uh, if you haven't heard, and I, I'm not sure where what cave you're li living in, if you haven't heard, but um, he originally uh, uh, floated over the weekend, potentially charging up to 20 bucks, like a month 
yeah. to get your blue verification badge yeah. on Twitter. Now, in the past, what the blue verification badge has meant is really nothing more than this person is who they say they are. Yeah. Nothing more. It doesn't mean that they're an authority. It doesn't mean they're always posting legitimate facts. It just means that name is that person and that much we took the extra step of dealing with. Mm -hmm. The uh, so he floated, okay, anybody can buy a blue badge for 20 bucks a month. They have yep. since reduced that to eight bucks a month. I think he did that this morning, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, but it made changes to it too. And what I thought was interesting about it is, is in his tweet this morning, he mentioned something about there being a, um, um, a Lords and peasants kind of yes. thing in the past. And I look at what he is proposing putting in place, and I'm saying, you know what? This is just setting up a lords and peasants kind of scenario. I, lords, okay. lords can pay it, peasants can't. That's too bad. I don't know. Okay, I I only partially agree with you. Okay. So I thought so. Okay, so I I've always been interested in the Twitter verification, and twice I have tried to get myself verified. You know. And I thought I had a good case to get myself verified you know, because it was free before, right? Right. And um. I, I basically looked at their rules and said, oh, I qualify. Right. And and I thought, is there a reason? And I thought, well, I do occasionally give computer security advice out. Be nice for people to know that that's really me posting that advice. Uh, so I filled out the form and I had a lot. I mean, I had like 30 to 40 actual published books, mm -hmm. right? I had a YouTube channel that had quite a few, you know, uh, you know, subscribers. Right. I had a decent Twitter following. Right. Uh, I had lots of things going for me. Right. Um, and, and I submitted and they said, not good enough. So I was a little disappointed in that because I thought I had a good argument. I thought maybe if it was just like, oh, I just, I'm a celebrity and this, or mine, extremely minor <laughs> celebrity. And this is what I've got. Right. You know, fine. I'd like to pu publicize my books more, but I was making the case that, hey, security information sometimes. So that's why I should be verified. Anyway, they right. turned me down. So I was like a little uh, man at that, not because the reasoning wasn't totally sound. It was like, okay, I get their point. I'm, I just fall on the other side of that. But looking at other people that were verified, I was like, hey, why is this person verified and not me? So, uh, so I was like, okay, uh, this is crap, right? So I often thought back then that there should be a, a way to pay to get verified mostly because of the thing you know it's like belonging to the apple developer program 99 bucks a year or whatever there's mm -hmm. a certain overhead they check you out you know you have the security certificates and all that stuff mm -hmm. and i thought same thing kind of here you're asking people to do work to look into you do a background check you know find out what the deal is mm -hmm. so i'm willing to pay you know i was thinking either a one-time fee mm -hmm. or a a monthly thing says okay if i pay this now it's worth it for them to look into me. They're not just having, oh, we got a million requests today for verifications. It right. suddenly goes down to, we got 3,000 requests today, every one of them paying us. We can have staff now to actually do this. Right. And then when they actually introduced their paying like blue tier level, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, perfect. They really should merge those together. And that actually is what Elon changed uh, his idea to today. Was he merged? He didn't say twenty bucks to be verified. He said now eight bucks for the blue level, which includes verification, right? Which to me it was like always, you know, it's like all right, the, the twenty bucks. It's like that better not be just for verification. Twenty bucks better be verification and every other perk that you get for being a paying, you right. know, Twitter user. And that's basically what's introduced. Now, um, you said that uh, it's still a peasants and lords thing. Before sure. it was peasants and lords because you just, I mean, if you were like a celebrity, if you had a Wikipedia page, maybe, I don't know, if you uh, were somebody that would appear on television, you could get in, you right. know, and somebody else not. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was kind of like that. It was kind of a royalty thing. It was peasants and lords because lords don't necessarily have to have any money, right? Right. In fact, right. lords could, you know, royalty could be in debt, but they're still royalty. They still get invited to the parties, right? right? You know, because <laughs> you know, there's many royalty around the world, you know, historically have been like in debt and have just been living off their name and their title and getting invited to the best parties. So it was the kind of same thing. Now he's going taking that away and saying there's a price to it. But the thing is, being a flat price is interesting. He's not saying. You know, uh, so you're saying eight bucks a month and eight bucks a month is kind of this fixed thing. If you're a billionaire, you pay eight bucks a month. If you're 
somebody that makes any amount of money, just a small amount of money, it's it's similar to like what you would pay for, say, a server to run a website right. or some other thing you may, you know, get that's, uh, you know, the mailing list, you know, get uh, a, a uh, you know, if you send out a newsletter, you have to pay like a service and it costs a amount of money. We'll have bills that we have to pay that are kind of flat, you know, fees that, you know, you pay to be an entrepreneur or whatever. And so I see it as being, yeah, there's always, anytime there's money charged, there's always going to be somebody that has no money, very little money that's going to find it hard to find $8 a month. But you go above that level and suddenly it's it flattens it out. I and you, me and you would both, if we wanted to, if Twitter was important enough to us, I'm thinking probably not at this point, but mm -hmm. if, I think at one time it would have been to me, maybe years ago, um, paying $8 a month isn't bad. And I would enjoy the fact that I was paying $8 a month, and so was CNN for theirs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of. So, you know, the because I, I always thought that was really interesting that it cost, like when you get, when I put my first games online uh, back in, you know, 1996 was the first time I put games, uh, 95, first time I put games online. Up to that point, if I wanted to distribute a game, to the public, I had to have lots and lots of money to get a distributor, get marketing, mm -hmm. and put games in stores. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, for ten or fifteen dollars a month, I could get a web server account, right? And I could put my game on a web page, and I had access. And if uh, and if a big company wanted to also put their game on a page, it would cost them realistically the same thing. Now they may have a bigger name than me, and that's still true with Twitter and stuff. But the thing was, it suddenly leveled the playing field for access. So for something like a verification, or and maybe hopefully extra benefits, not just a verification, suddenly having these eight dollars a month is it. Whether you're CNN, whether you're uh, you know uh, Jeff Bezos, or whether you're me, we all get verified Twitter accounts. So here are two concerns. Okay. One, and I actually read this this morning somewhere. Um, there are apparently journalists overseas, mm -hmm. um, in Africa specifically, who are relying on the blue verification thing um, to give them important legitimacy in their countries. Okay. And $8 is too much. They cannot okay. afford $8. So it becomes a big deal for them and what the service that they provide. Honestly, with what you are, what you described as being a combination of verification and whatever else, I almost kind of agree with that. Mm. Here's the concern. The way I read it, it's anybody with eight bucks gets a blue badge. Mm. And that means, oh, you want to set up a bot to spread misinformation? Well, it's going to have a badge. As long as you can fork over eight bucks a month, you get a badge. Mm -hmm. And that to me seems really, really bad well, because it, it means it either means that uh, uh, people will end up ascribing to the verified badge more than it really, really means. All it really means at that point is, yep, this person has eight bucks. It means mm -hmm. absolutely nothing else. So, um, which ultimately ends up devaluing the verified badge it, because it means nothing. You're right. It does devalue it. It de devalues it to exactly what it's, it literally is supposed to mean, that you're, you're that real person. You know, you're, but, you're who no, you no, say no, no, you no, are. No, you're not. I mean, somebody comes up with eight bucks and they verify a bot. Yeah. That but the bot, bot isn't them. It's but the bot can't claim to be someone it isn't. See what I'm saying? Like I can't buy I can't create CNN, like a CNN account that claiming to be a CNN and then pay eight bucks a month and they'll say, Yep, you're we, CNN. We don't know that. Oh, I'm assuming that that's gotta be part of it. If they if Obvi that's so not part of it, then it's worthless. The at entire that thing level, is right? If you're trying to impersonate, you know, big whatever's, you know, you know, existing yeah. organizations, of course, one would hope that there's at least that level of verification or at least, um, you know, obviousness. But the fact is, if you set up some random bot or a farm of bots yeah. Yeah. with 
important sounding names that actually have nothing to do with anything. And they're suddenly pumping out misinformation every day and they all have the verified check mark. I see that as being possible given what I understand the, the eight bucks a month or the 20 bucks a month or the whatever else it turns out to be. I see that as being possible. And I see that as being a really, really, really bad thing. Well, okay. So it's definitely happening already. <laughs> like I just looked up some of the places I consider to be the worst in fake right. news and they have verified check boxes next to them because yep. um, they're they are who they say they are yep. um i would imagine i i definitely would think you know my whole argument's out the window unless it's like this type of system where what you're paying for is them to check you out in other words you don't pay your eight bucks and you get in no matter what you pay your eight bucks they still have to verify you yes and then you're in it's too too Two qualifications, right. paying so, and verification. So we and, have to trust that if you fail your verification, they will yeah. turn down eight dollars. Right, exactly. And I'm, and, and I think, I'm not convinced. I, <laughs> oh, I think. And then of course you should be able to complain if you're not. And I think if you're at, now, I know Elon Musk hates the bots, so probably not much of a worry about that. But I would, I would go the other way and say that bots are fine. If, for instance, if I wanted to create a bot that gave me the rain forecast for my county every day published at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And you know, important for the farmers in the area. And I, it was a bot that actually went, got that information, did some computations on it and published a report every mm -hmm. day, a total bot. I should be able to go and pay $8. They should be able to look at it and say, yes, we have verified that this is a legitimate thing. This person who owns it is who they say they are, even though the name of the account is, you know, the, the Smith County weather bot. weather bot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that's exactly what people are getting there's no problem with it and i should be able to pay eight bucks and now i'm verified if i wanted to for some reason i mean right. so i have no problem with it being bought as long as you were getting what you were supposed to getting if i started publishing uh fake news in my my county weather bot <laughs> then <laughs> i then people should be able to complain and i should be able to be stripped of my verification right uh or something like that you know so yeah, I, I I just I'm just not I'm not against I'm just not against the fee because I already see fees every I have to pay a ten dollar fee for my my corporation, right? I've got no problem with fees. I really don't. In fact, I'm a paying customer over at Counter Social. Okay. For example, right? I mean, that's one of the examples of of a scenario. Well, where let's I've... let's take let's take your example of the of the African journalist. Okay. And and they they're they're using that verification to gain their credentials. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, well, clearly right now that's kind of a loophole. Unfortunately, I would I would hope that they'd have something better, <laughs> some better way to get credentials. I was actually just reading a book about uh, World War II and journalists, and and part of it was about the credentials, how they got credentials from different news organizations and mm -hmm. from the U.S. Armed Forces. So it's kind of fascinating, and I I would hope that there would be an a, you know the, and there are journalistic uh society journalist sure. societies sure that if they don't already offer accreditation could potentially offer accreditation to fill the gap if this goes away and perhaps even as a temporary measure pay the eight dollars um to to some journalists so that there's a way to you know maybe you know, the next couple of years, bridge the gap. And then after that point, maybe have a system in place. And I'm, I'm thinking there already are organizations that do actually sure. um, do this. To be, so, to be clear, I don't think that the journalists are looking this at, at this as some kind of um, accreditation. Yeah, I think that they are looking at this as a very important way to distinguish their information posted on Twitter from sure. others, well, which is kind of a different kind of accreditation. And to be clear, there was apparently some other tweet from um, Elon later um, after you know this all got announced that said you know the the pricing might be adjusted for the norms of whatever country they happen to sure. be in. So there's, so there's there that. are a, a variety of ways that like the journalist scenario can be handled. Scholarships, but, sure, from different organizations can offer it. I yeah. I yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see really what they're talking about here and how that works. I, I, it disturbs me that uh, journalists are already using, uh, you know, the verification or the verified check mark on Twitter. But they, they almost have to. I mean, when you think about it, 
Um, so you've got two news sources on Twitter. Yeah. And one is posting factual information and one, in, one is posting fake news. Yeah. And to all intents and purposes, they look the same. One looks like a legitimate news source. So does the other. The verified badge can kind of make a difference. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a, uh, an account right now. They'll go unmentioned that has that verified badge on there, and that is, yeah, yep. kind of I'm, not, I'm, I'm certainly not saying it's perfect by any stretch. I I'm think that that's the kind of thing that that seems to be happening in some of these places. I did hear one interesting thing though. I saw a celebrity uh, post because there's a lot of outcry about this. Like you said, sure. I saw one celebrity post and say, saying, "If I have to pay twenty bucks a month." for my um my blue badge mm -hmm. you know forget about it they should be paying me yes <laughs> which even yeah i mean there's an argument to be made there that yep. it's like you know you're, the platform is making more money off of this and and you're making no money off of this right and now all of a sudden the platform is going to be making more money than before direct some directly from you but I, I don't know about that i don't know if i completely agree on that i think that might have been a little tone deaf because well, i i guess and no i mean it kind of sort of makes sense let's face it this platform and facebook as well and, and others mm -hmm. they are making money from the content we provide exactly yeah in any other model we would be getting paid for providing that content but but i think there's also you do get a benefit else you wouldn't be doing it for free Exposure. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> but, and I think an exposure works totally different in like the level of you are famous and you have something to sell and you're not famous, but you're trying to like, you know, trying to make something of yourself, you know, right. because when you're, when you're, when you're at the beginning, you are asked for free stuff all the time. You know, graphic artists always ask, can you do this for free for exposure? You know, that's the, the thing. And it, that's not fair to ask but when you pass a certain point then exposure does work you're promoting your movie you're promoting your book your your uh whatever services your music whatever it is you're doing you know you want to get word out there and you're doing interviews for free you're doing appearances for free sometimes and um and you're posting on social media for free which is a very low cost thing you know you might say hey i'm posting all this stuff and they're getting all the content oh how hard was it for you to post your little picture of your breakfast i mean you know it, it, it's a pretty low cost thing if right. you don't think it's worth it then stop doing it but i know you won't because you, you you know keeping a nice fan base on different social media platforms means that when your next product comes out you you know, you'll make that much more in sales. So I, I, I don't know. I think there's a, a very interesting, to, to wrap this little segment up, because yeah. we've gone on, Let's we've given Elon way more time than honestly he deserves, or he's certainly gotten. Anyway, um, you asked a very interesting question at the end in our notes here, and that is, are there people he will listen to or will he run wild? Yeah. And honestly, I don't know if he listens to anybody, ultimately. But, but I, think, I mean, Tesla, SpaceX, I mean, think about those two companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, SpaceX works with NASA. They they work within government regulations. I don't see this e this public Elon that we see, you know, throwing these things around. Mm -hmm. I don't see him being capable of working over years to satisfy yeah. Yeah. NASA's needs. There are people at right. SpaceX that are doing that, and he's saying, "Fine, yes, okay." You guys are smart. That's why I hired you. You take care of this. I'll step back. The same thing with Tesla. There's 50 states and all these countries that have hit, that Tesla has to deal with to sell their cars. There's all these regulations. There's all of these parts manufacturers. It, there's there's a for some there's a good reason why these two companies have been successful. Right. And it certainly can't be just him standing there making running every wild. single decision yeah. and running wild there's got to be a point where he he runs wild with this stuff publicly and then when he's when he sits down and gets down to business somebody you know or many people i'm thinking there's not just one i'm thinking there's a lot of people you know where they they come up and say we can't do that here's why and then he goes and says okay Let's move on to his next thing. Let's hope I, that, I, I that, think that, there's that's a lot what of happens evidence. here with Twitter. I think there's a lot of evidence that that's what happens. 
doesn't make him any better of a person, right? <laughs> but it does it does explain the success of those two companies, which hopefully now will transfer over to this new company he owns, and you know we'll have to see. And remember, he's he says this stuff not so much. I mean, he used to say it about SpaceX a lot, but he still does it about Tesla a lot. He'll say these things, and. You think, boy, how could this company Tesla be successful with somebody like that at the top? Right. And it's because, you know, down below that level, it's not like that. I, I sometimes mean, wonder if if he is just being super crafty by yeah. posting things that will get a reaction and then reading the reaction. Well, it's true. You know, he could be like if I mean, person A goes to him and says, so we we think we can make money if we charge for the verification accounts, and I think that could do, do this. So we want to do a two-year study and marketing research and figure this out. And he goes and says, I have a way to do that this afternoon. Right. And then he posts <laughs> this, he posts that, he posts whatever, and then he comes back and says, okay, here's our price point. Here's our features. Go. I just saved and you two years. <laughs> maybe that's the whole, you know, the, the, the genesis of the $8 versus $20 uh, response. Uh, okay. Anyway, anyway, we will see. So for the time being, I'm still on Twitter, but I'm also playing on some of these other platforms. Um, I'm curious where other people are showing up and uh, we'll see where it leads. Yep. Speaking of new stuff. Oh yeah. There's so we, we missed this Apple last stuff. week. We ran out of team. We ran out of time last week talking about our travels. Apple's been busy again. Apple's been busy, but you know, I mean, it, there's nothing super brand new go going on. You know, it's been, over the last month and a half, there's some new products at, that, have, that have come out, some announcements that have been made. Uh, the new operating systems have dropped. And um, so, you know, a lot of stuff over the, a period of time. And I think Apple's done for the year in terms of the new things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally have been dealing a lot with you know, the new operating systems coming out, particularly Mac OS Ventura, which came out last week. Mm -hmm. um, and this time of year always fascinates me. Uh, because one of the most common questions I get asked is, should I update? You know, I've got, I'm using macOS Monterey. Should I update to Ventura? Right. Should, or, and apparently, you know, when they ask, the, it's like all the alternatives are, should I wait or should I not update? Right. And, you know, my response, it's always hard to respond to these things, right? Because, first of all, you haven't given me enough information. It's like, my Mac is running my defibrillator. <laughs> Should I update? You know, I, you know, oh, you didn't mention that, you know. Um, update and, that sucker to Windows. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, or, you know, or like, what's your, what's your, you know, I have seven Macs and I, I like to do the latest thing or whatever. There's a lot of information that's missing there. It's a very subjective kind of thing. Sure. Should you update? So I always respond personally. I say, I use I. I say, I've updated all my Macs to Ventura. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody mentions like, or sometimes even if they don't, I'll say, yes, Ventura has bugs. So does Monterey, the current right. version. So did the previous version. So does iOS. So does Android. So does Windows. So does every operating system, right? There's always going to be bugs. With Ventura, though, you get something that Monterey doesn't have, which is all the new features I've been talking about. So I can't tell you whether or not any of these bugs are going to hit you, but I can tell you, you can't use these new features unless you update, right? right. That, there's that. But, the, but what I want to say and what I never do, and I thought, I'll talk about this on the podcast, is where's your sense of adventure? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay, there's two things to take, in, take into consideration. Playing it safe, being secure. Oh, will everything I have work? Will my data be safe and all that? Maybe I should play it safe and wait. And there's the other, it's like, there's a new thing. Let me explore it, a new land to go to. Let me see it and all of that. And they're not necessarily exclusive from each other. Just because you go towards adventure and say, let me upgrade to Ventura. I want to see the new stuff. Doesn't mean you're being reckless. There are things you can do to be secure. And actually there are things, the things that you do to be safe and secure when updating are the same things you should be doing every day anyway, because fire, theft, 
meteor strike, you know, uh, <laughs> hard drives, hard drives randomly failing because you have got that one in a million drive that's going to fail today, you know. <laughs> and so, yes, you back up, you use things sensibly, you, you know, have your systems in place. You think about, uh, you know, your, your, you know, what happens if your Mac gets stolen today? What was your, what's your plan if that happens? You know, do you have a plan? I have a plan. I mean, it's not like I've written it down and I, you know, uh, chiseled it into stone, but in my head, I know what I'm going to do. You know, if I, if something went wrong with my Mac studio that I produce on today, I know how I would produce a video today. You know, I've got this, oh, I have a laptop over here. I, I know that the stuff I need would work on that. I, you know, I do that. Having all that in place, being cautious and secure is fine. You should do that every day. And now that you've got that in place, something like Ventura comes out, why not head towards the fun adventurous thing? I love, I mean, I know people don't like change. You talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I talk about it. I don't talk about it as much, but I feel the same way you do. Um, people don't like change. I embrace change. I like change. It's what makes life interesting. It's what makes, you know, updating to Ventura today is, is what's going to make today exciting. Did I wake up today hoping today was not going to be exciting? Hoping today was going to be boring? Never. <laughs> All right. I, I hope that the excitement would be, oh, I get to play with new features. This is neat. I'm going to get some use out of this. And this is fun. I hope that's the excitement I'm heading towards. I'm, I'm taking a risk. And some of that excitement may be like, oh, this isn't working anymore. I need to figure that out. And maybe it is. But you know what? It's still problem solving. It's still interesting. I, I still It still beats a boring day. Um, so I'm often like, I'm often, I, I, I can't say it. I never respond. To anybody asking me, should I update with what's your set? Where's your sense of adventure? <laughs> but I want to every time. So can, can I, even though, even though I'm with you, um, yeah. I'd like to pre present somewhat of a counterpoint. Okay. Um, for one thing, uh, not only are you and I inherently um, adventure seekers in this realm, we get paid to do it. Right. Yeah. This is we, we set up businesses specifically to leverage our sense of excitement and wonder as things change and move forward. Um, what that really means, though, is that we're not like regular people. <laughs> right. The, I mean, there are absolutely people out there who are like us, who enjoy the new stuff, who 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 will fight through the problems, who will who are, who are already doing the stuff to keep themselves safe and secure in the face of potential change. Um, I think a large majority of people who are using technology, uh, Windows and, and obviously Mac right now, uh, the, the cases in point, they're not doing it for the excitement. They're doing it because they've got a job to get done, whether it's a, a job job or something they're trying to do at home, whatever. They're trying to accomplish tasks. They're trying to get stuff done and change gets in their way hmm. it either temporarily or in some cases long term and i've got an example um gets in their way and prevents them from doing what they need and want to do where they get their excitement from it may not even be necessarily be a job right it may be hmm. their hobby or their whatever is this thing over here and technology is a means to an end it is not the end itself so when technology changes, when there's a new operating system version, when the operating system updates and things happen that are often unexpected, or even if they are expected, they're different, that gets in the way. And I totally sympathize with that. Personally, my position is, okay, yeah, you can you know, complain about it, you can grumble about it, you can do whatever. The fact is, it's going to happen, <laughs> whether you like it or not, <laughs> right? So the 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 my my take is more of one of an attitude rather than resisting it expect it you don't have to like it you don't have to embrace it like nutcases like we do uh. but you at least have to understand <laughs> that it's going to happen and accept it yes now, and yeah i think we're I, I i don't disagree with you but where you said uh you don't have to like it um i would go and say you don't have to like it but why not if it's inevitable, right? Isn't it just a matter of attitude? If you're going to, well, would you, yeah. you know, rather be like, oh, I'm upgrading my operating system today. What problems I going to have? How difficult is my day going to be? 
that's not going to make anything better by having that attitude. But having the attitude of what cool things may may I find I can do today, and even it's like what problems may I need to solve today, you know? But I don't but. Know. And again, the counterpoint is I've got enough problems right? <laughs> over in this other realm where I'm trying to get stuff done. I don't need more problems. I need my technology to just transparently continue to work so that I can do what I need to do in that realm. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Ventura is next, which means that my Mac Pro is currently on. Tell me. Monterey. Monterey. Yeah. I regret upgrading to Mon Monterey. Yeah. And the reason is that they quote unquote improved mm. um, security yeah. in the operating system. There are a number of things you used to be able to do that you can't anymore, or you have to do differently. Yeah. Um, one of the tools that I use, uh, Boxcryptor, actually had to change how they provide their service. They're a, uh, um, a cloud storage uh, file level encryption utility. I, I love it. I use it on, on my PC all the time. Um, and I still use it on my Mac, but it's changed such that Boxcryptor uh, can now no longer act directly on files in the file system. They actually have to um, operate on the uh, files online, mm. as I understand it. And it all has to do with changes to the security model in Mac OS. Okay. Um, I certainly could be wrong. Now, okay, on the surface, that seems like, okay, well, you know, Boxcryptor keeps working. Great for Boxcryptor. They just work differently. Well, there's two problems with that. One is um, you now have to be online. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, Boxcryptor would just work on a folder. Um, and the fact that that folder happened to be Dropbox or OneDrive or iCloud or something like that was kind of immaterial, although they noticed it. It really didn't, wasn't fundamental. Um, but now if I want to do something with, say, my box or my uh, Dropbox files uh, that are stored encrypted using Boxcryptor, I have to be online. I have no choice. Mm -hmm. The other is that um, in my case, and I realize that this is going off the geeky deep end, I've got scripts that I run at night that do things. And those things no longer work because of the changes that have been implemented. Now, I'm not arguing the the change mm -hmm. um security good i i totally i totally get buy into that um and i kind of understand the, the the kinds of things that they're protecting you from as they make these changes and let's face it apple is kind of known for doing for continually improving their security certainly in ways that seem a little bit better um, than windows mm -hmm. but i wasted a day trying to figure out how to work around these things I had other things to do. This was this was not change that I got excited about. Um, and I get it. I totally get it because oftentimes you don't know which change is going to bite you in the butt. Um, I happily upgraded to Monterey because, okay, great. It's the latest. I wonder what features I'll get. And then all of a sudden I realized that this was happening. That's frustrating mm. and helps me empathize a little bit more with people who are trying to get their job done. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been, and I, most people I, aren't using box cryptor though. I mean, well, I mean, it's, and, yeah, again, it's an example, not a, um, I, th I think what most people are uh, just to get uh, into a technical detail, the the switch over to Catalina um, removed 32-bit apps, you know, working, mm -hmm. which was like a years in the in the working kind of thing, right? Right. Right. And so it was should have been no surprise to anybody. Um, what it did though was there are a lot of people that specifically for some reason Adobe apps, you know, they bought. I, I think the reason it was for Adobe apps was because Adobe had switched a few years before that to subscription model. And you had a lot of people that were like, oh, mm. I use mm -hmm. Photoshop casually, right? So they went and they had bought a, a you know, 
standalone non-subscription uh, version of Photoshop or what or any Adobe app years before and thought, I never have to, I'm not going to pay subscription. I'm just going to keep using this old version. And then the old version was 32-bit. Years went by, Apple switched over to 64-bit only for the apps after lots of warning. And Adobe had long since switched their apps to 64-bit. So no problem with Adobe apps, right? They did their thing right. and switched to 64. But people were using old versions, hadn't paid Adobe in years right. for anything and found that they could no longer use their stuff. And they got burned with that update, which was two years earlier. And that the memory of that update makes everybody think, oh, so now going from Monterey to uh, Ventura, which apps of mine aren't going to work? Well, there right. wasn't any underlying change like the 32 64-bit app thing mm -hmm. for this. And there wasn't any in, you know, for Monterey either, going from Big Sur to Monterey. And but people are still wary about it. They remember, mm -hmm. they remember it. Mm -hmm. And they think which apps are going to uh, not work now. And it's like, well, actually I can't really tell unless they're very specific little features of apps, not right. the whole apps themselves. I'm not really hearing about any full apps that work fine in Monterey, but for some reason don't work in Ventura because the underlying stuff is still the same. It's not that kind of update. So anyway. Yep. Anyway, yes, I, I, I'm with you in that I love technology. I love getting the new stuff. I love playing with it. It's why I'm here. Yeah. But, um, but I also have um, no small amount of sympathy for people who are just trying to get stuff done. Anyway, okay. yes. onward. Uh, so ain't it cool? So yes, let's see. This morning as I was exercising, um, I watched the next to the last episode of Andor. Okay. Uh, the Star Wars... Uh, uh, sequel or uh, not even a sequel. It's another ten episode story. Thing. I guess you'd call story, it a mini series yeah. or a series or whatever you want to call it um, on Disney Plus. So, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm I still have the last episode to see, which I'll probably see tomorrow. I'm really enjoying it, and it dawned on me why um, it is not a you know fast paced action packed this that or the other thing. Um, uh, you know, cotton candy kind of, of thing where you can mm. just um, you know, watch it and be entertained for half an hour. Um, it's a story and they're taking their time telling it and they're doing a really good job of it. And I'm just enjoying the ride. It's funny. Uh, there's a meme somewhere about how people will object to watching a two and a half, three hour long movie and yet, if you give them uh, 10 one hour episodes, they'll, you know, uh, watch it all in one night, right? They'll yeah. binge it, uh, which is crazy. But it really, to me, boils down to is the story being told well? Is it engaging? Is it is it interesting? And yeah, Andor is. I'm enjoying it. So that's my, uh, my ain't it cool for this week. I'm in the middle of it. So yeah. Um, mine is a book, a uh, book I really enjoyed uh, is... Uh, a sci-fi author I've never read before, but I, I think it's pretty popular now, Adrian Tchaikovsky. And it's the first book of a series, but it's really, I, it feels like it was written as a completely standalone book um, called Children of Time. And it's uh, just a great uh, hardcore science fiction book about the far future. And uh, one of the two main storylines in it is just a fantastic story about a completely alien well, I shouldn't say completely, but an alien world and how it, it, it he builds this whole world up from scratch that it just a, a, such a fantastic way. I I could couldn't stop reading it. It was really good. So if you like hardcore sci-fi, Children of Time is uh, is a good one. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um. So blatant self promotion. I keep saying every week that you know we don't have a sponsor, we don't have ads. Um. So we do this instead. I'm going to sneak in kind of a bit of an ad uh, for something that I've been working on. Um, I'm actually going to be very, very vague. I'm not even going to have a URL for you to look at yet, but um, you will hear about this again. And that is that I am in the process of creating a course wow. for backing up. So one of the Excellent. things that I did in the past is uh, I published a couple of books 
uh, saved backing up with Macro and Reflect and saved backing up with Eases to Do, basically walking people through what it means or what the steps are to get your system backed up properly with these tools. Um, I haven't revved those books in too long. And in okay. fact, I think I took them out of my store last year because they're just too out of date. Right. But um, what I've got cooking is uh, saved backing up in Macrum Reflect with the current version. They've actually revved twice since my book was published, which is why I you know, went too far out of date. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm basically following in your footsteps. Courses are mm -hmm. interesting. Um, the hardest course to create is the first one <laughs> because mm -hmm. you're setting up uh, all the technology um, or like in my case, I already have an online store. So understanding how that store will sell a course instead of a book has to be learned um, using a, uh, a courseware platform uh, for the first time, understanding its uh, limitations, nuances, features, and so forth. Um, anyway, I just wanted to give people a heads up on that and to let everybody know that if you are, uh, first off, if you actually have purchased Saved Backing Up with Macro Reflect, um, you will have access to this course for free. I did say updates for life when I sold you that book. And those updates include uh, the transition to the course. And um, my Ask Leo patrons at the $15 a month level or higher, um, they too get access to everything I create, including um, the any of the courses that I create. So they'll be getting an email. That, that Those two subsets of folks will be getting an email from me in the couple of, in the, probably a week or two, um, basically giving them early access to what I've got produced so far and specifically asking them for feedback as to what's missing, how it's going, is it working and so forth, since this is, as much of my life is, one grand experiment. Um, and I did want to, since in light of what we were talking about earlier, um, I did want to mention one article to point people at, and it is, should I update to Windows 11? Because yeah, I get that question all <laughs> the time. Um, and like you, my answer varies quite a bit from um, nope to yes to it depends on what you're doing. So that's askleo.com slash 135037. Cool. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, though, the hardest course to make is not the first one. The hardest course to make is when you need to remake the first one. Because <laughs> So when you're writing, we've both written computer books. Yes. The Really cool. The, when you do a course and you do a computer book from scratch, mm -hmm. they feel very similar. When you update them, totally different. Updating a book is really an interesting uh, thing for those that have never done it, a tech book, because you could basically do it by taking your old book mm -hmm. and you start reading it. Mm -hmm. And every time you find something that needs to be updated, sometimes a word, sometimes whole paragraphs or pages, you say you stop and you rewrite it. Every time you see a screenshot that needs to be updated, you update that screenshot and you go from the beginning to the end and you've updated the thing. It's it's actually a, a, a decent experience. It's not that way for courses. For courses, <laughs> you have to redo the whole thing because right. – the visuals have changed, even if it's just like the colors and the way the menu bars and all that's, you have to do it again. And you can't, it's not like editing text where you could do it on the same page. Like you have to basically, I, I don't know, it's a really weird yes. thing. And it, it's, to me, it's so much harder. The first course is actually an interesting creative feeling process. Mm -hmm. Or you feel like, oh, I'm building something real. like my uh, current iMovie course. I'd like to update it. I created some really cool examples in there that I had a good time mm -hmm. building. Like, oh, I'm having fun using iMovie. Let me show you this fun stuff. If I was to update that course using the same examples, it would be torture to just try to recreate that <laughs> course because I had the fun already. The fun's gone. Right now, I'm just having to walk through the steps. So what I'd have to do is basically leave that behind and create a completely different course with completely new stuff, but it still feels kind of old. Anyway, speaking of courses, my uh, pr uh, promotion stuff is I have a course, of course, the Ventura course is out. Um, it's, you know, on as I do, I put it on sale when I first launch it. And so it's on sale for the rest of this week to the end of this week. And uh, the newsletter has a 40% off coupon. Um, the patrons get a better coupon. But the uh, just the newsletter subscribers get one, get a coupon for free, mm -hmm. and it's uh, forty percent off. And you can look at the newsletter, or I can just tell you the the coupon code is highway, as in 
Ventura, Ventura Highway. Highway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but ask me, you know, you can contact me in any of the number of ways if you have any questions about that. And there's some sample videos too. So if you want to just, you're like, what are these courses about? You can always go to courses.macmost.com. And if you look at the table of contents of it, you'll see three of the lessons actually say sample and you could just watch those. So. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Honestly, yeah. I've, I've, I've waited too long doing courses just because I know that a lot there, yeah. they're a really good way of, of showing rather than telling. I think there's a lot of value to that. So we'll see how it goes. Yep. And yeah, you know, talk to me when it comes time to, uh, to, re to revise this particular course that I'm putting out and see how, how yeah. depressed I am at yeah. that time. If I still have the excitement. Take good notes now while you're doing this one, because good notes for your, for your future self. Yes. yes. That's the key. It's <laughs> for Leo for two or three years from now. Remember when you <laughs> update this course to do yeah. this or do that. Yeah. This matters. All righty. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. The show notes are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh174. As always, leave us a comment or a question out there. We see them. And we thank you, as always, for listening. And we will see you again here real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.